Good morning and welcome to Arendelle Alliance Church's service for May the 17th, 2020. My name is Pastor Joran Green. I am the lead pastor here at Arendelle. Thank you for joining us online, possibly today the 17th. Maybe you're catching the service a little bit later, maybe in Saskatoon, maybe somewhere else. Thank you for joining us as we seek God together, as we come to his word together, as we spend time as God's people gathered around his name and his word in fellowship wherever we are. This morning, I'd like to read to you from Psalm chapter 18. We read these words. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, where I seek refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I will be saved from my enemies. Would you bow with me in prayer as we begin? Gracious God, thank you that we can gather in the various places that we are, We thank you for the gift of modern technology that allows us to record services and to share them and to be in our own homes or wherever it is that you've taken us. Meet us where we are. Speak to us where we are. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and guide us into all truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. I encourage you to read through your e-bulletin that comes up from the office every week. If you're not receiving it, please drop an email to the office and they will add you to the mailing list. Some highlights from the announcements there that we need to be mindful of. First off, we're, gonna, we're going to celebrate communion on the 31st of May. So we've got a couple of weeks. In anticipation for that communion, I would encourage you to get something like grape juice. Welch's makes a wonderful product. We tend to go through it fairly fast in my home. Or something similar because that symbol of that which is crushed or that which is broken. And also, I would recommend some kind of a cracker for those who are gluten-free There's some various challenges there. I personally kind of prefer the unleavened because of the Passover imagery, but that's actually not required if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul lays out for us how communion is to happen. But that symbol of the bread, which is the body of Christ, and the the juice, the, the grape juice, or the wine, which is the blood of Christ, broken and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. I'm going to guide us through a time of communion on the 31st. You'd have those elements ready Then as we do the service, you'll be able to actually partake wherever it is that God has you as we celebrate Christ's death and resurrection together as God's people. So be ready for that in a couple weeks. Also, as was announced in the e-bulletin, the STEP project is going ahead. Thank you for your guidance and uh, your consideration and your prayers for us as we consider what do we do with those West Stairs We're not using the building a lot right now. It's a great season to do it. And so work is now underway to get get the contractor in. We're anticipating it'll be a few weeks probably for that project to complete. If you want to contribute to it, one of the challenges with a project like this is it's quite costly. We have the money. We have it in the capital fund. But if you want to be mindful, it is going to use up most of our capital fund. If God lays it on your heart, please feel free as part of your regular offering to designate some to capital projects or to the building fund as well. We want to make sure that we do have some margin for when the unexpected happens. We've got a large building. Uh, don't even remember how many furnaces we have to keep a place like this warm. And the ongoing maintenance certainly is there. So please don't forget in this COVID season where we're not in the building, the building still needs to be looked after and church ministry is still going ahead. So we thank you for your giving. Thank you for your support of the finances of the church. And uh, look to you as a congregation to continue to support us as we do Christ's work in Saskatoon. Also, uh, one big question we have is what's the annual meeting going to look like? 
frankly, we don't know yet. Some other Alliance churches in our district have met already online, and we are in process of dialoguing with them to find out how they did it, what worked, suggestions that they have. And so we will have a proposal yet coming back to the congregation of how are we going to do an annual meeting when we can't all be in the same room together. But the plan is June 21st, so be anticipating a Please be in prayer for the nominating committee as we're seeking elders and some of the other positions that need to be nominated and voted on. The budget is in process. If you have annual reports that are due for our, our larger annual report as a whole, please get those into the office as soon as possible. We'll publish both paper and digital copies. And for most of us, probably with being at home, we're going to be reading the digital copy. So annual meeting, June 21st, it's coming. Communion in a couple of weeks, May 31st, have your elements ready. And as I say, if you can continue to give, we would really appreciate it. Ministry's going on, building's still here, and we are still doing what Christ has called us to. With this in mind, I'd like to invite you to bow with me in prayer. I was struck by something Matthew did a few weeks ago where he actually paused the video and took some time, and I'd like to invite us to do that. Some prayer requests that have come through would be things like the nominating committee as we're seeking elders, annual meeting that's upcoming. We've been getting word a number of our Bible camps all across Western Canada have been canceling programs or modifying programs. That's a significant blow when you consider how many young people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time at Bible camp. With the loss of those camps, it begs the question, how are we going to complete the Great Commission in this COVID season? Please be in prayer for that. Our international workers, Ryan Machinsky, one of our own, he's back in Japan, and uh, ministry is going ahead there. We need to be in prayer for him and for Bear and Vanessa Yarborough, who are in Mexico as Alliance missionaries, prayer for them also. So feel free wherever you are. If you've got the e-bulletin, there's more prayer requests there. We've got some health concerns and some challenges. And the day-to-day ministry of our church and our church family I encourage you to pause your video for a few moments wherever you are, pray alone, or if you're with a family, pray as a group, and then reconvene, and I will close this time in prayer. Holy God, we are so thankful for people like Ryan Machinsky, who you've called into ministry and asked for wisdom as he is ministering in Japan with the challenges of COVID and and working in a team and being cross-cultural in a different language, would you empower him? Would you guide him? Would you give him wisdom for what he needs as he studies his Japanese, uh, for safety as he's working and doing life in a foreign country in your name for your honor and glory? Thank you for him, his willingness to go. And might he know your blessing. Father, you know his needs better than we do. And we're so thankful for him. And as we think of Ryan, we think of his family as well and ask a blessing over his parents and his sisters, that uh, with their brother gone, that there would still be that sense of closeness. We thank you for a modern world where various forms can be done of communication like Zoom or Skype, where even though we can be halfway around the world, we can at least talk to one another. But would you be near the family? Would you guide them as they support him? And Father, would he see fruit in the ministry you've called him to? We think of Bear and Vanessa. Thank you for the work that they are doing Uh, in their neighborhood, and for these small acts of encouragement that uh, seem to be connecting with their community. Father, would you continue to bless their ministry there? Thank you for them, their willingness to go. We commit them to you. 
Father, we're mindful for ourselves as Arendale family. We've got annual meeting coming up and we look to you for how to even have a meeting with COVID on. Would you guide us in what form it should take for the sake of uh, meeting properly together and being heard and making decisions that honor you and reflect your leading for us as a church, but also honor the the guidelines that have been given to us for how we are to meet together or not to meet together. Lord, we think of the nominated committee in this season as they are seeking who it is you're calling to uh, be elders for this, this new season, this 2020-2021 church year with its special challenges that we've never faced before. Would you make your will clear? Would you nudge hearts that you're calling forward? Would you make it clear to the committee who to speak to. And Father, would you guide us in this process? We look to you for your will to be done, and we entrust that whole process to you. Father, we thank you for the building that you've given us and ask for wisdom as the STEP project goes forward, as we do uh, the various tasks around the the building, ask for your guiding of it. But really, it's more a symbol of the ministries you've called us to. And we know We've got various classes still going on in these new forms with Zoom, and we think of quizzing, trying to find a new way of doing what you've asked them to do. We think of our young people and some of the connections that are happening and small groups that maybe are trying to figure out how do we connect. Father, we look to you for wisdom and leading to know how to be your people effectively in this season. Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you give us wisdom that is not from us? And would you use us to continue to connect meaningfully with one another? Ultimately, Father, we realize that the Great Commission call is still on and the gospel must go out. We think of the Bible camps that are either having to change how they work or take the summer off and and recognize the the difficulty of that decision for those staff. I know for many of them, this this is very, very difficult. Would you give them grace and mercy and remind them you are still in control? And for those kids who will not hear the gospel at camp, would you give us wisdom to know what we should now do so that the gospel could still be proclaimed, that Jesus' death and resurrection could still be presented in your world? Lord, use us as your people. Advance your kingdom in and through us. And Father, as your children, we come to you asking, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to act? And at the same time, holy God, I ask that as we, your children, come into your presence, that you remind us that you love us and remind us of your call to love you back. You are our Father, we are children. Holy God, instruct our hearts in what this means and be glorified in and through us this week, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we go to worship this morning, something to be aware of, it's going to look a little bit different for service. We've got some extra components. Our district superintendent, Dr. Bernie Vanderwall, will be joining us, bringing the message, because it's actually my installation service. Normally, we would do this in person, but of course, with the COVID situation on, we're going to do something a little bit more creative this week. But thank you for joining us, and thank you, worship team, as you now lead us into the worship of our God.
Alright, I'll be reading Second uh, Timothy, starting in chapter 4, at verse 1. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing of his, and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves, because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. One of my favorite books is a book called Cold as a Bay Street Banker's Heart, the ultimate prairie phrase book. And it's really a book about Saskatchewan sayings and Saskatchewan words. In there you'll find such famous phrases as bunny hug or vico or, or even correction line. It really tells you that there's importance to context, to knowing your context, that some things mean more in one context than in another. After more than 20 years in the academy, I learned how true this is. As a teacher, I know also how important it is to know your audience. If you want to communicate effectively, you have to know who you're speaking to, and you have to speak directly to them and to their context. Normally, when, like this, preaching as a guest, I would speak to the congregation and invite the pastor to listen in. This morning, however, I'm turning the tables. As we're here to celebrate the arrival of Pastor Jorn to Arendale, I, I want to sort of turn it, if you will. So as we look at our passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, a passage that speaks about the nature of Christian ministry, I'm going to speak to the pastor and invite you, the congregation, to listen in. And while this is a message for Pastor Joran, there is something about the nature of Christian ministry and about the nature of Christian life that I think we all can learn. So please, eavesdrop, or to use another prairie phrase from the days of the party lines, rubberneck, while I speak to your pastor. In this, his second letter to Timothy, Paul establishes the importance of what he's about to say. It's not merely a call to do what's right, though it certainly is that, but it's more than just that. The very words he uses raises the stakes. He charges this new pastor, Timothy. The word charge, even in English, is a serious word. It's a solemn word. It's a sober word. It carries not only a sense of seriousness, but here it's meant to carry a sense of urgency. You see, Paul's not just giving to Timothy some sage advice. He's, he's not just encouraging him. He's imploring with him. And to drive the seriousness of what he is going to say home... He goes right to the top. He calls on the name of God. He calls on the name of Jesus. And he reminds Timothy that this God, this Jesus, is not only present, 
but he's soon going to be drawing even nearer. Now, for Paul, you simply can't emphasize something more than that. Invoking God gives this matter divine importance. It gives this matter infinite importance. So for Paul, what he's about to say ranks with the most important things that could ever be said. And therefore, these aren't just Paul's words to Timothy. This isn't just Paul's charge to Timothy. It's God's charge. These are God's marching orders for this young man. These are God's call on his life. The task that he's about to lay out before Timothy are the things into which he is to invest his time, invest his effort, invest his life. Preach the word. I don't think it's insignificant that Paul puts this first. And by doing so, Paul reveals the centrality, the primacy that this task places in the pastoral role. While it may not even consume the greatest share of his time, it's still the most important thing that he does. It is, compared to the others, the indispensable one. Indeed, it is the pastor's study and the pastor's preaching of the word that grounds and ties everything else together. For the pastor, it's the preaching of the word, God's word, which grounds, which informs, which shapes, and which defines everything else to come. Why is it so important to preach the word? Well, I think the answer is pretty simple. If you don't preach the word, and this applies to you, pastor, but it also applies to the rest of us, you'll have no alternative but to preach yourself. Joran, do not preach your thoughts or your opinions, even when people applaud you for doing so. Don't preach your agenda, as important to the rest of your role as that might seem. Don't preach your goals, no matter how lofty they may appear. Don't preach you. It's a woefully inadequate text. And it is the sorriest idolatry. And yet, it's also among the greatest temptation that the preacher faces. It is surely, therefore, among the greatest dangers that you will face. Instead, pastor, when you preach, ground your preaching solidly, thoroughly, and solely in the Word, in the Scriptures, in that which God Himself has revealed to us, that which is sufficient for our salvation, for our growth, and for our life. Preach the word, but be prepared. To be a pastor is not merely a job. And while you might keep regular office hours, and while you might keep regular days off, and you should, you must, 
Even then, you were never not pastor. To be a pastor is very much who you are. It's never merely what you do, and it's never merely how you earn a living. And Paul instructs Timothy, therefore, be prepared in season and out of season. And here he's not just talking about which day it is or the hours of the day. Instead, he's reminding him that being pastor is his mantle. It's his calling. It's his identity. When it's fashionable and when it's not fashionable. When it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. When it makes him popular and when it makes him unpopular with others, maybe even with himself. When you want to be and when you don't want to be. And while you might not always be on, Joran, you are always pastor. Like the United States Marines, whose motto is Semper Fi, always faithful. The pastor, too, must always be vigilant and must always be ready. The pastor is Semper Perocus, always pastor. And most importantly, what this means is that there is no time when your ear is not attuned to the voice of God in scripture and in prayer and in response is ready and willing to respond to any and to all situations. And so like the God that you represent, like the God who has gifted you and like the God who has called you pastor, your people must always be able to count on you that you will always be in step with the spirit. Well, so far, so good. But what is it that you're to be ready to do? To preach the word? Well, certainly that. Yet as central as that may be, it's not all that there is. The primary goal of pastoral ministry is not merely to care for the flock. It is instead to fulfill the Great Commission and to make disciples, to form each member under your care into the form of Jesus Christ himself. And this includes, as the commission instructs us, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. This isn't always going to be popular. It's not always going to be welcome. Yet, if you are to fulfill your calling, each of the commands that Paul gives to you is vital to that success. And therefore, as this passage says, you must correct. Few of us like to be corrected, but each of us needs it. Pastor, the correction of your people is essential to your calling. People being corrected is essential to their discipleship. And so realign us. 
change our minds, train our tongues, shape our actions, point us and send us toward Jesus. And like my GPS, when I get off track, you may have to recalculate, recalculate, recalculate our journeys. And few of us like that either. Yet we know that to do so is necessary to arriving where we want to go. And rebuke. Now, if correct was unpopular, rebuke is chafing. But still, as our thoughts, as our deeds warrant, you must boldly and forcefully point out error. Our error. For the sake of your calling, certainly, but also for the sake of our salvation. Correct. Rebuke. Encourage. So, Pastor, while you have to correct, and while you must rebuke, you must also encourage. You must both exhort us. Hebrews describes this as spurring one another on to love and good deeds. But you also must comfort us. You have to console the downtrodden. Really, there can be no higher calling than this. The Greek word that is used here for encourage, that we translate as encourage, is the very same word that Jesus himself uses to describe none other than the Holy Spirit when he calls him comforter or the counselor. Now we might understand the tasks of correction, of rebuking, and of encouragement as the means or the methods of pastoral ministry. But there's more to being pastor than just the skills. More than just the means or just the methods. Manner matters. In far, far more colorful language than I'm about to use, my father once told me, and I quote, You can tell someone they're a jerk, but if you tell them in the right way, they'll thank you. While correction and while rebuke are necessary, and while they're tough, if you employ them in the right way, they'll not only be better received, they'll also likely be more effective. And Paul therefore reminds Timothy that his methods must be applied with great patience and careful instruction. We all gravitate to people who are patient with us. Life, pastor, is a process. And so too is growth in Christ's likeness. Be patient with your people. Be patient with yourself. They won't always get it right. And even when they do, they may not do so as quickly as you would like. As they would like seems to me that Paul knows something about human nature and about pastoral ministry in that he not only encourages Timothy to have patience, but he exhorts Timothy to have great patience. And even beyond that, 
He encourages him to careful instruction. To a world like ours where bars seem to be set increasingly low, Paul thinks that for both the student and for the teacher, getting it right actually matters. So be careful in your instruction. We need to get it right. Joran, in all of this lies another temptation. And given how often it's given into, it must be particularly and seemingly sweet. And so I implore you to be on the lookout for it and to avoid it. Do not sacrifice either means or manner on the altar of the other. For some pastors, the temptation is to correct, rebuke, and to encourage without being patient and being careful. For others, the lure will be to be patient and to be careful without ever correcting, rebuking, or encouraging. To be effective, fully effective as pastor, to be faithful to the Word of God, you must instead do them all. To do them well and to do them thoroughly. These are my words to you today, Joran, as we install you as the pastor of Arendelle Alliance Church. And so in a few moments, we're going to hold your installation. And as we do, let me encourage you to keep all of this in mind. Amen. Well, it's a privilege for me to be here this morning and to share this historic and happy uh, moment with all of you. And uh, I, I'm just here on behalf of the 70 plus other Alliance churches in the Canadian Midwest District and even uh, uh, representing David Hearn, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance in Canada, who uh, extends his greetings to all of you. At this time, we're, we're here to celebrate the installation of your new pastor, Joran Green. Uh, Joran. Dorothy and their family have together responded to God's call uh, at this time and have moved to Saskatoon, back to Ryder country, uh, to live among you, uh, to uh, obey God's call, and to fulfill this calling uh, among and, and with you. And so we're going to cut right to the chase. Uh, Pastor Jordan, the duties of your office are set out for us. Uh, in scripture and uh, delineated in the job description that uh, undoubtedly the elders have given to you. But let's turn to the scriptures at this point. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Ephesians, uh, particularly to chapter four. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses from there and verses that'll be familiar to many of you. Paul writes, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. What for? To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In another letter, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to his young pastoral charge, Timothy, and says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. And so, Joran, I turn to you at this time, and, and I, I remind you that in God's sovereignty, he's brought you, he's brought us to this church, to this place, to this time, to this moment. But I'd also like to remind you that, that those whom God calls, God equips and God enables. And as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, as pastor, you are, first of all, as I said earlier, preach the whole counsel of God as revealed in the scriptures and as summarized in our statement of faith. And whatever is contrary to sound doctrine, you're to refute with gentle but firm instruction and filled with grace. You're to steward the ordinances of the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. You're to pray diligently for your people and to be an example of faith and of good works which glorify God. And in light of all of that, very solemn responsibilities they are, I ask you, before all of these witnesses, do you therefore earnestly purpose to diligently fulfill these duties in the strength that God supplies? And if you do, please respond by saying, I do, by God's grace. I do, by God's grace. This responsibility, though, isn't just Pastor Joran's. It actually belongs to all of you, both members and adherents of Arendelle Alliance Church. And to us, to you, the scripture also speaks. At one point it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Church, you've called Pastor Joran to be your pastor, to be your teacher, and to, to have authority over you. Scripture goes on in Hebrews to say, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Hebrews. This man before you today has a pretty high calling set before him from God to lead you and to love you. And he'll be accountable for his service to you as a congregation, uh, to your board of elders, uh, to me, and ultimately, of course, before Christ. And so then, 
I want to remind you that you too have some responsibilities. And what should you do in order to make it a joyful and blessed time for Pastor Jordan or his family? Well, I think you have at least a threefold responsibility. First, and certainly the most important task that you have, both individually and as a church body, is to pray daily for your pastor, for his family, for his relationship with the board, for your board, and for the church. Your pastor and his family are going to face spiritual attacks from the enemy of our souls. And they need your prayers in the face of that. And so I charge you to pray for Pastor Joran, for Dorothy, for his children on a daily basis, asking God to give him wisdom, to give him discernment, and to protect him, to protect them as they faithfully serve. But also, as much as you pray, you need to also be patient. Be patient with him. In spite of his appearance, He's not perfect. He's an imperfect person. And in addition, he's leading an imperfect church. Things can, things will go wrong. And we need to extend patience to one another when that occurs. Colossians 3.13 exhorts us in this area. It reminds us to make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive everyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. And then finally, and no less importantly, you need to participate alongside your pastor. He can't do it alone. As that earlier passage said, his work is actually to prepare you for works of service. You've called him to teach you, to pray for you, to equip and to lead you, but not just organizationally, but actually in the fulfillment of the great commission that Jesus Christ has left with us all. You weren't created to be spectators, but contestants in running the race set before you. The ministry of Arendale Alliance Church is not his alone. It belongs to all of you. And so run in such a way as to obtain the prize. This ministry is a privilege and a, and a responsibility for, for each one of you. And so I set a challenge before you as I said it before him. Are you ready to act on this challenge as he has already said he is? And so I ask you, the people of Arendale Alliance Church, will you make a stand and, and make this commitment today before the Lord? Do you promise to pray, to be patient with, and to participate with Pastor Jordan as he leads this church? And if you do, even though you're at home, sitting on your sofa, I'd like you to stand or, or sit where you are and respond by saying, we do by God's grace. We do by God's grace.
Thank you. Well, Pastor Jordan, let me tell you how thrilled I am to have you back in our district. Uh, and upon your solemn declaration that I take very seriously, and by your congregations, your elders' solemn response, I now officially install you, Pastor Jordan Green, as the lead pastor of Arendale Alliance Church, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And I now invite the elders uh, to pray prayers of consecration upon you, over you, and for you. Let's pray. Go ahead, Lauren. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for bringing Pastor Jorn to our church. We thank you that we can commit him into your hands. And we thank you that you are able and desire to guide, to enable, to equip him so that he can guide and equip us as a church for the service that you desire. We pray that you might grant him a heart that is firmly uh, seeking you and a mind that will be able to uh, to remember and uh, dive in deep into your word and to bring it to us uh, as he goes along and that it might be uh, real it might be applicable it might be uh, your holy spirit uh, speaking uh, through your word to us. We pray that you would guide him, that you would keep him close to yourself, that you might help him to be instant in season and out of season, that no matter what the circumstances are, in good times or in difficult times, that he would uh, call it to you. And that we as a congregation as well will be faithful in uh, supporting and praying and uh, and seeking to uh, to pull together in unity to do the work that you call us to do. We just recognize that unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it, and that we are all dependent on you. And, and so we, we call out to you and, and humbly just ask for your work in each of us to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sean, my prayer will reflect some of what is in a verse you are quite familiar with, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jorn. Thank you for the journey that you have taken him on, a journey that has prepared him for the task that's now before him. Lord, Thank you that he listened carefully to your call. And when that call came in rather unusual, in a rather unusual way, he was prepared to listen and recognize the call. Lord, I pray that you would give him a, a broader scope and opportunity for teaching. Mm. Um, continue to strengthen that gift in him. Lord, keep him from error, we pray. I pray that he would demonstrate Christ 
to us as he leads in fellowship and breaking of bread. And I pray that under his guidance and uh, by his example, you will make us a praying church. Or do you know how much we need to increase our prayers? Just to pray faithfully, consistently, that uh, we might strengthen his arms, his heart, his spirit, as he leads us. Lord, I pray that you would watch over his family. Thank you for Dorothy and Michael and Catherine. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to meet their needs, to make available to them a good spiritual home, and that we might strengthen them as they undertake to walk the paths that you've placed before them. Help us to love them and bless them and encourage them day by day. Lord, especially in this time of uh, social disruption, when as church leaders, we are not just sure which way to go, I pray that you would give special insight to Jorn, guide him and help us to follow him as he follows you faithfully. And we pray that you'd give him great sensitivity as he cares for his people. So we thank you. We just look forward to what you're going to accomplish through Joran's leadership and our participation as we work together in this area of God's kingdom. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, congratulations, Joran. And back to the rest of you. Normally, we would end a service like this with a lot of handshaking and congratulations and welcomings and probably even a good lunch. Uh, but that's not going to be possible today. But folks, if you're out there, let me encourage you to, to drop the pastor a note, uh, maybe even a handwritten one that you send the old way and just welcome him uh, and tell him that you, you took that commitment, that charge seriously uh, this morning and that it's your intent to stand with him as he stands for Christ. Thank you. It's so great to officially welcome Pastor Joran and Dorothy and Michael and Kathy into our church family. And in honor of that, the music team would like to try something a little more special. And so for this last song, we've chosen uh, Blessed Be Your Name and Pastor Joran, I know this is one of your favorites.
Good morning, Kevin. I'm still not used to talking to a camera. This is welcome.